All right, all right, all right. How y'all doing? That accent that he was making fun of, I call that my Matthew McConaughey. You know what I'm saying? So I try to work it to an advantage. And so if we need translation at any given point in time, I need the countryest of you to uh, volunteer, please, to come translate. But um, without all the pageantry aside, let's jump right into the scriptures. Does that sound good? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you're a good God and you're good to us. And Father, I thank you that over the next few moments as we dive into your scriptures, they would inform our lives, they would give grace to our hearts, and they would change us in your name. Amen. Amen. I want to bring your attention to a a portion of scripture in Luke chapter 5, verse 17. It's going to be on the screen. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there. It said, on one of those days he was teaching, he being Jesus, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was there with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed And they were seeking to bring him before Jesus so that he would lay his hands on him. But finding no way in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down on his bed through the tiles into the midst of Jesus. And when they saw, when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and Pharisees began to question, who is this who blasphemes? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them and says, Why do you question in your heart which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your mat, go home. And immediately he rose before them and picked up what he had been laying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all and they glorified God and were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. So over the past few weeks, you've been talking about what it means to be a good friend. And I I believe you started the first week with friends don't let friends be fake. We don't let them wear a mask and put up a facade. We have tough conversations with people we care about. It means saying the hard thing that so people can grow up and do what they were called to do. And for you ladies, you know what that's like when you have a friend who just puts on something that they should not have. Or they decide to go with a new hairdo. You girl, what are you doing? What is that that on your head? I love you, but you're not going out like that. You know, you have some hard conversations. And and then earlier tonight, we talked about potential. And friends don't let friends miss their potential. We care enough to uh, provoke each other towards good things. The Bible says this, that Jesus has prepared in advance good works for you to do. See, you were handcrafted by God specifically designed. You have your personality because you're supposed to have your personality. You have your gifts and your talents and your abilities 
for a specific reason. And with those talents and with those abilities, He set things in front of you for you to do specifically. And then there's a passage in Hebrews that says, let's not forget to gather together and provoke one another to good works. If you'll focus in with me just for a moment. My goal and my heart tonight is to provoke you towards good works. That God has something prepared for you in advance. Or maybe even someone in advance. That your story would collide with their story. And that they would be better because of you. When I thought about friends, this is the passage that clearly leaps off the page to me. I see where four friends got together and said, let's do something good for our buddy. I mean, it was very custom. Has anybody been to Mexico? The Mexico guy. He's like, Easy. nice. So you know what it's like when you go across the border... And when you're crossing over, it, it's, it's a sight that I don't... And if you guys can turn me down, I feel really loud up here. When I went back across the border, I don't know that I was prepared for the sight that I would see. When I saw people who were in wheelchairs with no legs, holding cases of bubble gum... And wheeling their wheelchair up to our vans, hoping that someone might buy something to help them out. You remember that sight when you're going and waiting in the border and there's multiple people coming from afar. Many who were disabled or many friends pushing another friend in a wheelchair. Some people were on crutches. Elderly people and they come up, hey, you want to buy this? I got a sweatshirt for you. You like soccer? Football? You want gum? See, just like in, in this context, it's very uncommon for you to just see a bunch of handicapped people laying around in our community and in our social context. But in this day and age, it was very common for people who were disabled to be carried to a particular spot where there would be a lot of foot traffic so that they might be helped by people. And so on that day, four friends decided, you know what, let's help, let's help our buddy out. He's had a rough go, you know what I'm saying? You, had, you ever know anybody's had a rough time? The, car, the cards just don't line up for them. I mean, it doesn't matter what they do, it just seems like they're down and out. And on that day, these friends said, you know what, I think we'll help him out. Because usually, somebody would take a disabled person, a paralytic, like... The person that is being described in the story and they would throw them over their shoulder. Or they would grab a couple people if they were available and they would pick them up and they would carry them to a place where it was public. And they would lay them there and that was their good deed for the day. Alright, you stay right there. No pun intended. We'll be back to help you later. You make sure that you yell really loud and look really helpless. People... Throw you some change and help you out. So we'll see you later, bud. Good looking out. And they would leave and they would come back later that day and pick up their friend. But on that particular day, they heard a rumor that Jesus was in town. They're in a place called Capernaum. 
Which is in the, the northern part of the region. And everybody heard that Jesus was going to be in town. So these Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law, they begin to travel. It wasn't like, just, hey, let's jump in the truck. You know what I'm saying? Let's, let's all get together. We're going to see Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Let's jump in the truck. Hey, Bill. Hey, hey Bo. Come on. We're going to get in the truck. No, it was, it was that they, they had to take effort and prepare. And it was miles of a journey either on foot or by camel to see Jesus. And on that particular day, I started thinking about why was Jesus inside? It says in this portion of scripture that they were in a, a house or a gathering place that was inside. Now you would read other portions of scripture where Jesus was outside so everybody could be there. Right? He fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So tens of thousands of people could have been there. And he fed all of them and the multitudes were there and everybody got a chance to meet Jesus. But for whatever reason, on this particular day, Jesus decided to go inside. And when they get there, it's kind of like, I imagine it was like a club. And I doubt many of you have ever been in one. You've seen some movies about them. You shouldn't have watched that, okay? You're like, don't judge me. You don't know me. How you can judge me? But there's like VIP sections. And, and when these teachers of the law showed up to see Jesus, they would have had what is called a seat seat. That was a sound effect. Thank you. Uh, let me try it again. Seat seat. Incredible. Um, get your act together, Kenny. It was the seat seats, and it was this cloth that they wore underneath the robe. And so, if I was a rabbi and this jacket that I have on, you would see uh, little threads that would come down underneath my robe. And so, whatever garment they had on, and if you were to run into an Orthodox Jewish man today, a rabbi, he would have some sweet curls. He would have a nice large hat, but underneath his suit, you would see these threads and it was called a seat seat. Jesus would have had one. And that seat seat in that religious community and Jewish community meant VIP. Watch out. You don't want to mess with that guy. He knows a little bit of everything. He's, he is on a social scale. He's at the top and whoever else is at the bottom and on that day, every one of those guys showed up to hear Jesus and they got VIP access. They got VIP access to criticize, to, to conspire, to even crucify Jesus. Because Jesus in the story even says he forgives sin. Just an apologetic area for you to think about. When Jesus says he's God, here's one of the instances where he says, I forgive sin. And they go, wait, only God can forgive sin. He said, that's kind of what I said. And you know how he proved the point? There was a guy who couldn't walk. Now he can walk. Joke's on you. Think he's God. Shut up. 
But he confirmed who he was with signs and wonders. But here's what happens. There was common people in there. There was VIP in there. And there was family in there. And for whatever reason, I'm not sure why they were indoors. The weather there is much like Southern California. Perfect. God's country. I hate everyone who lives there because I don't. But... But it was beautiful. But I, I think on that particular day, maybe it was a little hotter than usual. Maybe the weather wasn't ideal for preaching for hours in front of people. And so they took cover inside of what would have been like a housing complex. There would have been in a courtyard that maybe was covered and there would have been multiple families living inside of this courtyard. And that's where Jesus and all of these guys cram-packed. And this is what I like to call the situation room. There's two parts to this story. There's a situation and there's a solution. The situation is, is a friend needs Jesus. There's no room. It's occupied. And then there's a group of four friends. Now, I wonder if there was more of them at one point. Because I started thinking about these men who decided on that day, we're going to do a good deed. And they go to take their buddy and they said, instead of today, we're going to take you out to the mall. We're going to take you to Jesus and they got together and they picked him up. And once they got there, there was no room. Now, many of us, can you imagine? You've tried to do a good deed, right? I tried to invite them to church. I tried to help them out. I tried to, you know, speak the truth in love that everything might grow up. But they just needed to shut up. And I just really wasn't having it. I tried to do something good, but there was no response from them. There was no effort I'm kind of wasting my breath. And you know that verse about the pigs and pearls and all that stuff. And so we don't get into that. You ever tried to do a good deed and then all of a sudden it became inconvenient for you? And can we just be honest that we've all reached that point where we've went the mile and two miles seems a little too much? I wonder on that day when they showed up and they've walked for miles to bring their friend. That when they get there and there's no room, how many of us would have said, sorry, Bo, no room. I would have been the guy who was like, he's got to come out sometime. We'll just wait out here. But these jokers were crazy. He said, let's go to the roof. What? The roof. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever carried dead weight before? You know, you're doing the trust fall or something like that. But have you ever had to help somebody who this was dead weight? I remember the, I, was a, I was a physical therapy tech. I, I just came home from college and, and I got this sweet job, right? And, and I was going to be a physical therapy tech. And it, as sweet as it was, I thought it was awesome because it was in the back of a gym. and I was going to be able to work on my guns. Check out all the ladies showing my guns. I thought, this is a sweet deal. You know what I'm saying? And then they were like, you got to do an ultrasound on this guy's shoulder. What do you mean? I'm going to go in that room. He's going to take off his shirt and he's going to show me his Wolverine back. And I'm going to have to put gel on his back and rub it together for eight minutes. You're kidding me, right? 
And that's what I did. And many times I cried profusely. You guys are like, you crying, bro? Like, no, no, it's my sinuses. Your back is disgusting. Uh, but the, but uh, as sweet as I thought that job was going to be, my first day, I remember my first day, it was, it was my first day. I, wanna, I just want to point out that it was my first day. You keep that in mind, that was my first day, okay? So I was there and, and we would take kind of shifts at lunch and two people would go and, and then two people would come back and, 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 and I just got back from lunch and there was a, a man named Duke. Because that's just appropriate in Kentucky. And there's a man named Duke, an 80-year-old man who had been a paralytic for most of his life. And Duke was a guy, he, he loved Dukes of Hazard, and he had a little cart. And he would just talk about, man, that was his, um, his car, like on the, the, the General Lee on the Dukes of Hazard. And he would just ride this little cart around. And he couldn't hardly move at all except for his hand. Now, when I left, Duke was in the General Lee. And when I got back, he was on the bed. I was like, and I was like, how did he get on the bed? That's incredible. That's awesome. And then I, this chill comes over my back when the physical therapist looks at me and says, Sam, I'm going to stretch this guy's leg. And she's like doing Pilates on top of his leg and like practicing for the Olympics. And she looks over at me and says, you're going to have to get Duke off the bed and back onto the chair. And I said, to say what? You're going to have to get Duke and, and take him off the bed and put him back in cars, okay? Now, the, my hesitancy was Duke was a man who had had some good eating in his day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, he had good life for eating. I thank God for Duke and the meals that his mother cooked for him. But Duke was a big boy. And at that time, my guns weren't where I wanted them to be. It was my first day, you know what I'm saying? I hadn't got to work that out. But I went over to the bed, and she was trying to coach me through getting Duke off the bed and into the cart. And I had this belt that I put around him, and I grabbed Duke. And I thought, oh, okay, all right, let's go, Duke. And, you know, I was a basketball player, and I knew a little bit about a pivot move. And I thought, all right, so, you know, bend your knees, get your back straight. Anybody the ladies, they, where they at? Make sure they ain't watching. And, and then I grabbed Duke and I did this pivot move, right? But first day, okay? I want to remind you first, it was my first day. Somebody forgot to tell me that it might be a good idea to turn the chair off before I tried to put old Duke in the General Lee. It was my first day, okay? So, so I got Duke, and when we do this pivot, now here I am with Duke. And as I do my nice, fancy pivot move, my arm hits the control on the General Lee, and there goes the car. And now I got Duke. And now my guns are starting to run out of ammo. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my, I'm, I'm getting ready to kill Duke. We're going out, and it's my first day. It's my first, and all of a sudden the PT comes across the thing, said, what are you doing? I said, it's my first day. <laughs> she said, we get him, hey, no Dukes were injured in the telling of the story, okay? Duke made it in his, to his chair, and I didn't kill anybody, and I got to keep my job. But when I started reading this scripture, I started thinking about what it was like to feel dead weight. Where there's no response on the other end, there's no movement, there's no effort. 
And I started thinking, if it had been Duke that day, we're not going to the roof. But these guys did not stop when things became inconvenient and maybe they didn't even get any response and now it becomes difficult. Because there's times in your life, see, the, the point of my message tonight is I'm closing. Is friends don't let friends miss out on Jesus. And see, those men had in their head that Jesus was the answer for their friend's problem. He didn't need a new spot. He didn't need a bigger bank account. He didn't need a makeover and a new wardrobe and a sweet hat and some sweet kicks. And you know what I'm saying? And a nice jacked up truck. That's not what he needed. He needed Jesus. See, when you believe Jesus is the answer for every question at all times, in all situations, you will do everything you can to get your friends to Jesus. So you know what? We're going to go to the roof. And they begin to climb up in the heat of the day. They begin to tear the roof off and lower their friend in front of Jesus. See, sometimes you have to carry dead weight with friends who don't want to hear what you're saying. They don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want you to invite them to the pipeline. There's no movement, no effort, no response. And you feel the dead weight of that friend. But see, friends don't let friends miss out on Jesus. They'll carry dead weight and they'll even tear the roof off. See, some people have a roof that's preventing them to getting to Jesus. They have a friend that discouraged them. They had a youth pastor that said something inappropriate. They had a question. They had a science class. They had somebody say something. Or maybe they had a prayer that went unanswered. There's a roof. And friends will do anything to move and remove the roof that's keeping them from Jesus. And last but not least, they went public. See, it's one thing to go to a Christian school and have a Christian culture and Christian parents. And let me tell you, you are blessed to have both parents at home and live in a place where you come to church. That was not my context. You are an anomaly. And you have a greater responsibility. You hear the word of God every day at your high school. Most of you. You hear Jesus on a regular basis. But I want to push you and provoke you not to say you believe in Jesus and live like an atheist. Because if you truly believe in Jesus, you believe that the only thing that this world needs and your friends specifically is Jesus. That when they have a problem, when they go through a breakup, when there's problems at home and there's problems in marriage and there's problems in finance and there's problems on the farm and there's problems at work, they don't need their situation changed. They need Jesus. The one who can change hearts and minds and perspectives. But you have to be willing to go public because there's a VIP in that room. There's people who might look at you different and you might sound a little crazy when you don't give them good advice. You tell them you need Jesus. When it moves 18 inches from your head to your heart. Because friends don't let friends miss out on Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you 
that your word is good. And we thank you that you've given us the opportunity to hear your word and respond. Now let us take action. Let us find friends together that we could change the course of history for someone else. Let us carry dead weight when we get no response and no effort, when people look at us like we're crazy and they don't move in any direction. Let us tear the roof off. Let us remove all obstacles from our friends getting to Jesus. And last but not least, let's say and act what we believe. Let's go public, no matter what it causes our reputation. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.